Hey, hey, Freedom Fighters. Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter standby. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. If this is your first time, we welcome you to the show. And if this is not your first time, we welcome you back. Make sure you hit the subscribe button because you don't want to miss out on all the awesome episodes and amazing people that we're bringing onto the show. Just like my friend here, Alex Craven. What's going on, man? Hey, not too much, man. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, thanks so much for coming on to the show. We really appreciate having you here. Uh, I know this is going to be a very, very exciting uh, episode. Uh, for those of you who don't know Alex, he is a Naval Academy graduate, uh, actually a former company mate of mine, and he later on went to become a Marine. Uh, you're still in the Marines, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's correct. So I did my uh, my five-year you know, active duty commitment, and then I uh, decided I couldn't quit cold turkey, so I uh, stayed in. Still drill out of Quantico with uh, Delta Company, uh, 4th LIR. Nice, man. Outstanding. And so, uh, yeah, so Alex is, uh, you know, he's kind of transitioned on to the civilian world. He's doing uh, financial advising for Northwestern Mutual, and he is a phenomenal guy and very, very smart. And so, Alex, thanks again, man. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, but first, before we dive into some of the uh, awesome deep level financial stuff, do you mind giving us a little bit of insight on your military career um, before you got to this point? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, definitely been enjoying it so far. Uh, so, you know, I was uh, two years ahead of uh, my tier. Commissioned in 2011, uh, went through TBS and then infantry officer course, you know, up in uh, Quantico. And then got the privilege of uh, leading the platoon uh, during the 26th uh, Marine Expeditionary Unit back in 2013. So that was uh, with 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines. Stayed on as the XO uh, for that company. And then, uh, you know, did a unit deployment program deployment to uh, Okinawa, Japan. You know, pretty good time there. Came back from that, spent a little bit of time on the rifle range, you know, about five, six months before I, you know, eas in uh, May 2016. And then after that, decided didn't like walking anymore, you know, for the infantry. So I uh, switched yeah. over to... Yeah, light armor reconnaissance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My my back and my knees, and my hips were starting to feel it. So I was like, you know what? Let's stay infantry. But uh, yeah, let's let's start riding around in vehicles, which is pretty nice. So nice. Um, yeah, actually, just took over as company commander uh, for Delta Company. You know, it's up in uh, up in Camp Upshur. You know, inside the Marine Corps Base Quantico. So. All right. Nice. Nice. So Quantico. All right, man. So you're in the Virginia area then. Well, actually, I'm biding about half my time in Texas and about half my time in Richmond because uh, the wife got a job down here in Houston, uh, Texas. So I spent about half my time in Richmond and the other half in, uh, in Houston. So, Oh, wow. Okay, cool. You know what? That's actually an interesting point. Um, that wasn't something that I knew about the reserves, uh, that you could you know, still stay in the service, you know, be in the reserves and drill in like another state. But you know, live in a completely different state. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just kind of a plug for, you know, for people to stay active, you know, in the reserves, right? Just definitely a good way to transition, 
some of the benefits are pretty nice as well, right? Being able to get, you know, TRICARE reserves, kind of a little plug, you know, for the reserves, uh, especially on the officer side. Um, they're really, really short officers across Navy, Marine Corps, Army and everything, but uh, enlisted as well because, yeah, we've got uh, quite a few positions we could fill, you know, within our company. So, um, yeah, I know it's, it's that way across the board for a lot of different reserve companies. Okay. Awesome, man. Outstanding. So yeah, guys, definitely something to consider. And you know, if you're looking to transition into real estate, uh, being a full-time thing, I mean, that's something that you could totally do, uh, while you're also part-time drilling in another state or another location, or maybe even in your, your same state, uh, while being able to keep those benefits. So yeah, good, really good plug there for the reserves. Um, and, and mad respect for you for continuing to wear the uniform, Alex. We appreciate you know what you do out there. Yeah, same to you, man. And I just want to say, really appreciate you uh, having me on. Uh, I really wish you guys existed. You know, about ten years ago when I was getting started, you know, in some real estate, because uh, yeah, your your stuff is uh, is awesome. It's really good that you're passing on this knowledge to, to lots of other people. So, no, yeah, well, we we definitely appreciate that, and uh, and I know that you know I can probably speak from uh, both myself and Mark Jan. Uh, where we wish we would have started when you started, man. So, so tell us real quick about how you got started in real estate, because I think this is a phenomenal story. And uh, believe it or not, we actually <laughs> have some midshipmen that are listening to this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, midshipmen, all I can say is it gets better. All you got to do is survive those four years. <laughs> it gets a lot better like right. after you graduate. But, um, but yeah, so... When I, you know, as a junior, like everybody else, we got that, uh, you know, career starter loan. I think it was like 35000 Yeah. you know, back then, back in, in 2009, you know, pretty good interest rate. So, yeah, most of my classmates and, you know, friends and everybody were buying, you know, nice cars and guns and taking vacations and stuff. But, um, you know, I've been reading a lot of, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I love, you know, Robert Kiyosaki. He's really kind of what got me to the idea of, you know, investing and, specifically investing in real estate. So yeah, I went down to uh, to Richmond and bought myself a, uh, a rental property uh, with that. I actually bought it cash because it was a pretty uh, pretty cheap place. You know, it wasn't in the nicest of areas, but um, since I was able to get it for cash, you know, I was able to uh, spend some money fixing it up. So I was driving my, my grandma's, you know, 93 Honda Civic <laughs> right, that she gave me when she upgraded her car you know, back and forth from, uh, from Annapolis to Richmond, you know, fixing it up on the weekend. So definitely a, a steep learning curve. Uh, made a lot of mistakes. You know, I made money overall, but, um, you know, I was really just kind of going off of, you know, my gut feeling and then, you know, the three or four books of, of Kiyosaki that I had read, you know, at that point. So right. um, definitely glad I did it because I, I learned a lot for sure. Outstanding, man. That is That is absolutely phenomenal. So, uh, for those of you guys who are not familiar with this, the Career Start Alone is a loan that you know we get at pretty much all the academies, right? I mean, it's not just the Naval Academy; like all the surface academies get it. And I even think um, the midshipmen that are doing ROTC get it as well, our ROTC program. So uh, it can be something yep. really, really good. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it can be something really good uh, if you use it the right way, like Alex did. Um, you know, but if you don't use it the right way, then maybe it'll just take you a little bit longer to get to where you're trying to get to financially. So, <laughs> man, that's awesome, dude. That is awesome. Uh, kudos to you, bro. Cause that, that's crazy. What, um, 
Do you mind talking about some of those challenges that you, that you uh, learned through that first investment? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, part of it was as well, like since I didn't have, you know, much cash flow, I only had, you know, the money from the actual loan, right. To fix things up. So that was definitely a little bit of a challenge because I had to be very, very cautious about what I spent money on and just understanding, you know, what would increase the value of the property versus what was just kind of a nice to have, you know, and as well, just understanding, you know, one of the hardest things is uh, understanding that it is a business, right? So it's not, it's not a charity, right? So when I was first getting started, there was already a tenant, right? in that particular property and they weren't bad people, right? Um, they were kind of irresponsible, you know, with some money sometimes because mm-hmm. like, uh, they would be late on the rent, but then when I went and visited the house, I noticed they had a brand new, you know, widescreen TV, right? <laughs> Same oh, month they said, you know, they didn't have rent. So, right. um, just those kinds of things, right? You know, you don't have to be a jerk, right? You should never be a jerk to, to any of the people that you're renting, but you also have to understand that, um, you know, not everybody is a nice person, right? Or is going to pay their bills on time just because it's the right thing to do. So just making sure you understand you know, getting a lawyer to look at your contracts, making sure that you are setting out, you know, late payment notices, all those kinds of things, just covering your bases. Because hopefully you never get to that point, right? Because hopefully, even if you're doing those official things, right, you can kind of just work a, um, you know, an informal deal to get them to catch up on rent or something like that. Right. But you got to have everything else done just in case they uh, they don't do that, right? Because a lot of times people will, will tell you what you want to hear, but then before you know it, you know, you're, uh, you're a couple months behind, you know, on rent and then you're trying to get them out front of the house. True. So that's so true. Yeah. The first family, you know, ended up moving out, but then, you know, then I was able to, you know, find a better, you know, tenant right after that. So just understanding that, Hey, it is a business. You try to help out other people when you can, but you know, you're, you're providing a service, you're providing a home. So exactly. you know, they got to pay rent. <laughs> Simple it, as that. Man. Simple as that. Right. Just do Right. And, uh, and yeah, that's phenomenal, but you were in your it yourself, right? So that's kind of, you know, a whole unique challenge in and of itself. Uh, one thing to, you know, just invest at such a young age and, uh, deep, you know, dive deep into real estate, but also to, you know, take on a property manager role, uh, that is also intense. So, um, man, really kudos on you for that too. (laughs) That's, that's great. We barely get much free time there at the Academy. So that, so being able to do all that, man. Wow. Awesome. (laughs) That is awesome, man. Okay, cool. So, so, uh, when you were screening your next tenants, right? Like what, what certain things did you, did you do to guess qualify those tenants that came in? Um, yeah, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, pretty good tools out there. I mean, uh, there's actually a lot of just like free formats. I'm not sure, you know, which ones you guys are using if you have a template, but, you know, just asking questions about, you know, previous job histories and just, just doing your due diligence, right? And calling around because, you know, what I found is good people are good people, right? So if you, you know, get some job references from them and you call their previous employers and they tell you they're, you know, they're on time, they're punctual, right? They're, you know, hard workers. That usually translates into, uh, you know, the same thing in regards to them paying, you know, rent and taking care of the place. So, yeah, it really just comes down to, uh, you know, doing some due diligence and, and reaching out. But, you know, kind of a plug for that is, you know, 
unless you have, you know, the time and the patience, uh, you know, over time I started realizing it's probably better just to hire a, uh, you know, professional management company, right? <laughs> right, right, it's right. Kind of that more impartial, you know, that more impartial, uh, you know, third party, right, mm-hmm. to take care of it. But yeah, if you're going to do it on your own, then just, you know, asking those kinds of questions, you can do background checks. You know, there's a reason a lot of places, you know, if you're applying for rent, they'll, uh, you know, they'll ask for like a $30, $40 uh, application fee. And it's not because they're just taking your money. So they use that for a background check, right? Basically on you. So, right. um, so those kinds of things. Nice, man. Nice. Definitely some important wickets there. You know, uh, we always recommend if you're going to manage your property yourself, you want to get that background check, you know, and it doesn't have to be something, you know, Alex referred to. It doesn't have to be out of your pocket. And that could definitely be at the the uh, applicant's expense. But you want to get that background check. You want to make sure that there are no, you know, um, judgments against someone, right? Uh, especially if it's, um, you know, about being a sexual predator, right? Or being, you know, some kind of, you know, I don't know, a, a, a abusive person that you're bringing into your community now, right? I mean, God forbid, you know, you bring a sexual offender into your place. You would never know that unless you ran a background check, right? So you got you to gotta make sure that you, you figure out, you know, what's going on, um, you know, with that tenant. And Alex is right, making some calls, doing some due diligence. That's awesome, man. Wow. Good, good on you, man. I mean, really, and I think that's just a testament, right, to your fortitude and your mindset at that point, because, I mean, you were talking about reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right, and getting educated. Was there anything else that you used to get educated in the space of real estate uh, at that time? Or or did you kind of have maybe some mentors in your life that had also given you advice to do something like that? Um, yeah, so... At that particular time, it's interesting as why I said that uh, it would have been awesome if you guys existed, you know, about 10 years ago, because <laughs> right. I was like, I probably tried to call, you know, maybe a dozen different people that I thought, you know, might have some knowledge when it comes to, to real estate. And I like took them out to lunch and try to tell them about what I was doing. But I honestly couldn't find anybody, you know, wow. that uh, really understood right what i was trying to do so maybe i was just unlucky right and in regards of like trying to find that but um yeah there really wasn't anybody um that was doing what i was doing right or had the same kind of vision right that i did uh you know with investing and you know all those kinds of things so um yeah short answer is no (laughs) like i was i was just kind (laughs) of figuring things out as i went because i couldn't find anybody that um you know, I could reliably, you know, ask advice for. So right, alone and afraid, man. Hey, <laughs> but you did it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That is absolutely awesome, man. And and you know what? Maybe, maybe I missed it, but wait, what was the what was your like at first spark at at you know maybe just thinking about finances in, in general? Like, how did you find out about rich dad poor dad? Because that's that's a really unique you know young age to find out about that book and um, and kind of get things going. You know, like I, I I got introduced to rich dad poor dad um, you know when I got out to Norfolk after leaving Japan um, and I think I was trying to do like a, an MLM at that time. Right, I was trying to get into some multi level marketing. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you should. Yep these books, blah, 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 and rich dad, poor dad. And I'm like, oh man, I'm doing this the wrong way. I need to get into real estate. <laughs> Forget this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, I guess just through through personal experiences, you know, with my family, because um, yeah, my dad had a couple of copies of that, you know, lying around, a couple other different books. I'm a, I'm a pretty avid reader, um, so just uh, one of those things I picked up. I think I actually read Rich Dad Poor Dad the first time when I was like 16 or 17, you know, but obviously wow. I couldn't do anything, you know, with it at that point. Um, right. And then, yeah, I guess just overall, just becoming interested in, in finance, you know, uh, in general. Just uh, just watching my parents, right? They did a lot of good things, but they also did a lot of, you know, just unknowledgeable things, right? I would say it's not like they were doing anything bad, right? right? It's just that they didn't have a guide. They didn't have anybody showing them, you know, do this, not that, right? So right. there's a lot of, yeah, because they got involved in some, you know, some MLMs as well, right? And they just didn't, you know, they didn't understand, yeah. uh, you know, what was good, what was bad. Um, kind of with finance. So that kind of drove me to, to really understand what the heck I was doing, you know, when it comes to, uh, to finance in general. So, right. Okay. Awesome, man. So, so you had, yeah, so you had definitely had a, some sort of, you know, entrepreneurial background, you know, going on there that you were, were kind of accustomed to, and then, you know, further developed it from there. That's epic, man. And, and you know what guys, you know, I, we talked about this on another podcast, I think it was one of the earlier ones, but really setting the stage for your kids can have a drastic impact on their life, right? And we're going to get into it. I mean, Alex is definitely in the trenches, man. Like he is working so hard out there for Northwestern and making a very, very, very big wave. Uh, I remember, you know, connecting with a few of his colleagues and um, they had nothing but like awestruck things to say about him because he was like this big figure in the company in like just a very short amount of time. So really appreciate your time coming on here, man, because I know you could be in the trenches right now talking to more clients, um, you know, getting, getting more business. But, you know, I love the fact that you're very, very humble. You give back. Um, so you're, you're an absolutely phenomenal guy, man. You're even like that at the Academy. So that's why I'm really glad to reconnect with you. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what working for Northwestern has kind of been for you and um, maybe a little bit of how you got, you know, into that job and, um, and what your perspective, right, as a financial advisor, like, is looking at things down from like that top level down? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess kind of, you know, where to start. Um, so, yeah, I guess overall, just thinking about, you know, why I chose this as my profession, because this is definitely my, my career, my profession, I'll be doing this for the next 40, 45 years, right? Easy. Right. Um, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, as a commander, you know, as an XO, um, I really found that I enjoyed teaching, right, my Marines, um, you know, helping them manage their finances. And, you know, a <laughs> little, little bit of stereotypes, right? Like a lot of times, you know, with my junior Marines, it was just about trying to convince them not to uh, to blow all their money, right, on a $40,000 sports car at, you know, 13% interest. But, <laughs> you know, like, right. yeah, still the same kind of principle, just trying to get them saving, get them to understand things and just, you know, seeing that light bulb, right, go off in their head and seeing a, a fire get lit in them and be like, oh, like I actually can, right, improve where I am. You know, it doesn't matter how much I make. It's just about how much you, you put to the side, how much you save and you're, and you're putting towards things that are, that are making you money. So that's it. Um, yeah, I started looking around at uh, some different companies, you know, in the, uh, the late part of 2015, you know, early 2016. And I was fortunate enough just honestly to kind of stumble across, 
you know, Northwestern, because uh, I was looking at a bunch of other companies as well, had a bunch of interviews. But, you know, for Northwestern, um, I was very, very excited, very happy to, uh, to join them because I noticed with a lot of the other companies, right, that I was looking at, um, it was all about how much money, right, can you bring into the company, right? Because all of their limits and all of their parameters of your success was, hey, by X number of years, right, into your career, right, at X firm, right? I'm not going to name any names, but you would basically recognize every name, you know, that I would throw out. It was, right. hey, by this time, you need to have brought in, say, $10 million, right, in your first three years, right? right? It was just all about that. And when I came across Northwestern, uh, there was nothing to do with numbers uh, in terms of money. It was how many clients, right, can you bring in? Big, small, medium, right? It doesn't matter. Just how many people uh, can you bring on, right, to the business? So I, re I really like that approach because, you know, my clientele uh, is pretty diverse. I mean, my youngest is 18 years old, right? Just starting off, you know, working the first job. And, you know, I've got people that are... Uh, in their late seventies, right? From a net worth mm -hmm. of negative, you know, forty, fifty thousand, <laughs> to uh, you know, a positive net worth of you know uh, about fifteen or twenty million, right? Mm -hmm. So like, and everywhere in between. And um, I, I've realized as well that like, you know, I work about sixty, seventy hours a week, and I've realized I would much rather work for you know five to 10 people that don't make that much money, but I actually enjoy talking with <laughs> as opposed to, you know, one or two people with a ton of money, but are just like an absolute pain, right. To deal with. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of my philosophy, you know, when it comes to, uh, to financial advising and, you know, my perspective overall, it's kind of interesting the way it's changed over the years. Um, just when I first started, because, my perception at first before I got into the business was that, hey, I need to have, you know, an insane amount of knowledge that I need to, uh, you know, be able to understand exactly what's going on with the markets. I need to know, you know, when this is going to go up, when that's going to go down. And the more and more you get involved, right, with, uh, with finance and understand, you know, what makes markets tick, um, you start to realize that the role of a financial advisor is much more of a coach. Right. And that's actually what I tell people uh, the first time I ever meet them is that, hey, you should look at me, right? The same way you would look at a physical trainer, right? If you want to get in shape, right? So the physical trainer, right? Yes, they've got a lot of really good knowledge about the best kinds of workouts. But at the end of the day, uh, the most important factor for getting into good shape is to put enough hours in at the gym, right? And then to eat healthy, right? Because the financial advisor, right, or the physical trainer could have, right, all this fantastic knowledge about like the latest and greatest workouts. But at the end of the day, uh, the most important factor is the uh, the client's behavior, right. right? So the more a person can control themselves, right, have good self-discipline, make sure that they're not overspending, right, on silly things, mm -hmm. uh, and they're putting enough, you know, of their income towards investing, right, whether that's real estates or stocks or bonds or, you know, permanent life insurance, all these different things, right? right. They each have a place. But um, a lot of times people, you know, look at financial advising or, you know, investing as a way to get out of a bad situation, right? Like, you know, 
they find that, hey, I've got a shortfall uh, of negative $500 a month. And so they look to investing as like, hey, how do I, how do I cover that gap? <laughs> Which is not, that's not how you should do it, right? You, you got to control you, you got to control your life first, right? Control your expenses, live below your means. You got to stop yeah, bleeding. And then, <laughs> exactly. <Right. laughs> exactly. Um, and then, right, you, you get into investing and then doing all those kinds of things. So it's, yeah, I know that's probably a little bit all over the place. I mean, because there's so many things I could talk about no, you know, no, in regards to, uh, yeah, was, in regards that was, to that. But so. No, that was, that was great, man. And and I love the analogy of, you know, having a personal coach, right? Because, I mean, some people are very disciplined to the point where they can, you know, kind of do things themselves and organize and time block and, and kind of get ahead, right? But but some folks need a little extra push, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. And so having that coach in your life that can kind of help guide you across some pitfalls that maybe you may not be experienced enough to see, um, you know, is absolutely crucial, I think. You know, I think even for some of our, you know, more successful individuals that have been doing it for so long, you know, they still need that kind of advice, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And having someone in that can help you out knowing something a little bit more than you, right, is, is not wrong. It's, there's, you can't go wrong with that at all. So um, that's pretty cool, man. Um, you know, I want to I talk a little bit uh, before we, we go into some of the more like strategic um, parts of, of this discussion uh, for the, some of those spouses out there that may be thinking about, you know, becoming a financial advisor. Do you mind giving us like a, a short um, like process? Like how, how, how do you go about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely a phenomenal career, right? For the right type of person. Um, Cause I'll tell you, it's, it's a hard job. <laughs> so I'll tell you if, right. if there's something, if you're interested in doing this job, Right. The biggest thing I'd have to tell you is just get prepared uh, to get rejected. Right. Quite a bit. Because, you know, I, I passionately believe and know that, uh, you know, what I do is valuable. Right. And I can benefit anybody. Right. That I sit down in front of if they actually sit down in front of me. Um, but right. People are emotional great creatures. They're not rational. Right. For the most part. And um you know, they don't want to, you know, sit down and deal with, you know, the hard reality of, okay, managing their spending, putting away money, right, into investing. Um, they would much rather just spend everything now or spend even more, right, than they're making right. now. So you're going to get rejected quite a bit, right? And just understanding that, you know, you don't want to be the, you know, we're not trying to be like the stick your foot in the door, right, salesman, but you also have to be, you know, professionally persistent. Right. Never crossing that line of being annoying, but being, you know, persistent, following up with people constantly, getting rejected and then or getting no showed. Right. People I've had people confirm, I don't know how many meetings, like 20 minutes before they're supposed to meet me and then just ghost me. Right. Just not answer mm -hmm. the phone, not show up at the restaurant that I, you know, I'm sitting at for them, <laughs> you know. Wow, so, yeah, right. So, so just getting used to that idea. Right. Uh, is, is definitely the most important thing. But you know, if you're comfortable with that idea, yeah, just, um, you know, I, I can leave my number right at the end of this. Um, just get you in contact with a recruiter um, and they'll, uh, they'll sit down with you, you know, go over, you know, how the, uh, the career works, um, you know, all the different compensation, you know, all the different licenses and all those kinds of things, right, you'll have to take. So, 
to be just like the most basic financial advisor, right? You'll be, you'll need uh, you know four different licenses, so your life and health, right? Insurance license, um, which is pretty standard, and then you have to get your Series Six and your Series Sixty Three. So that's uh, for you know investments, right? Mutual funds, all those kinds of things. You can always do more, right, than that. So like me personally, I'm you know I'm about uh, three quarters of the way to getting my my CFP. Right, it's a certified financial planner, but those aren't required. Right, those are just things you can do, you know, after the fact. So, yeah, to get into this business, right, just a matter of uh, you know talking with you know whatever local office they're going to have a recruiter there. Uh, just understand you have to do some licenses, right, and you'll do uh, you know a training program, you know, with Northwestern, and then they'll teach you the the ins and outs of the business, uh, and then after that, yeah, it's just uh, you know you're basically starting your own franchise. Uh, you know, you are working for Northwestern, but you ultimately get to dictate, you know, who you're going after, who you want to be your clients. Um, and then for the first, usually about six months to a year, you try to do as much uh, joint work, right, as possible with uh, some senior advisors just to make sure that um, you're learning the business and you're also doing right by the client because uh, this is a very, you know, hands-on business. Um, it's, it's learned by, by getting out there and doing it in the field. So right. yeah, you don't have to be, you know, I mean, some book smarts are required, <laughs> but, but actually it's more important that, uh, you know, you can be a hands-on learner. You're willing to, uh, you know, get rejected and then, you know, just constantly keep picking yourself back up and, and talking to new people. So exactly. Just like the same skills, you know, for being an entrepreneur, right? I mean, literally you are one, you're just in a different space and that's, that's it. You know, being a people person, right. From sure helps a lot. Because uh, you got to talk to people right on a daily basis, so that's huge. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Outstanding. All right. So yeah, I mean, I, I figured you know throw that question out there because you know a lot of a lot of spouses as they're traveling from base to base, you know, with their uh, counterparts, you know, they're looking for some kind of side hustle, right? And so you know, being a financial advisor, especially if you are the person that is looking at the finances of the family, you know, trying to find a better path. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably that person, right? So, I mean, this is not a bad side hustle to have, especially if you're in the reserves. Um, you know, maybe even active duty. I mean, have you have you seen anyone active duty uh, doing this at all, man? Um, active duty would be pretty hard. Yeah, um, yeah reserves or, or civilian. Yeah, it was definitely. Uh, yeah, it's definitely easy to. Um, yeah, it's just in the active duty, right? A lot of times you uh, maybe don't have access to your phone. Which would be, uh, yeah, you know, true. kind of a hard thing if that's a good if a point. client wants to get in. So that's um, a great point. I but yeah, definitely. <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, no, yeah, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but definitely for like spouses, because like I mean, really, like I'm kind of following around my wife right now, right? Because we were in Richmond, and then she got a job down in Houston, so I was like, okay, we'll move all my stuff and you know go to Houston, and you know we'll be moving again in uh, in less than a year and it could be anywhere in the 50 states you know <laughs> so, like oh, i'll just pack up my stuff again and, and head out with her um head out you know all right nice man outstanding all right cool so uh yeah so yeah so just some good insight there you know if that's something you are thinking about for sure um and uh and alex i yeah, will definitely have you know grab your contact information at the end of this so our folks can kind of get in touch with you uh but last question that i want to get into um, can we talk about real quick, just the concept of, of uh, a general strategy, right? 
Um, I know you and I spoke about this on the phone the other day, you know, about, you know, mm-hmm. having something that's, that's aggressive, right? Aggressive investments, something that's moderate, and then something that's conservative. Can we talk real quick and just kind of touch base on, on that and why? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, right, uh, whether you're working, you know, with me, you're working with Mike, you know, ADPI, all those kinds of things, right? Every person is slightly different, right? So we have these great podcasts and these great discussions and we go over general planning concepts, but just as kind of a preface, right? We want to make sure that each person is coming up, you know, with an individual plan, right? For themselves. Right. Um, However, right. At the end of the day, uh, what I always, you know, tell people after I've dug into all the details, right. Of what they're doing, you know, going back to that analogy of, uh, of working out, um, what I equate, you know, basically five days uh, a week in a gym, right? Like say an hour a day, um, that's like putting away about 20%, right? Of your income. So just, just simply, you know, living off the 80%, putting away 20 into whatever you're going to put it into, right? Whether it's real estate, stocks, right? Savings account, whatever, right? That is the equivalent of those five days a week. So then the question is, okay, now you're doing the good habit, right? Of showing up to the gym, you know, an hour a day, five days a week, where does that money actually go? So the way I think about it and the way I educate my clients, right, on how to uh, subdivide, right, those categories, uh, I call them three different buckets, right? So the first one is your safe dollar bucket, right? The second one is your aggressive bucket. And then the third uh, category is your home run, right, bucket. Now, each of these buckets, are not necessarily better or worse, right, than the other ones. They just play a very, very different role, right, within your financial plan. So backing up and starting off with the the first one, right, the safe bucket. So the safe dollar bucket, right, is anything that has guarantees, right, associated with it. So these are things like, you know, money market savings accounts, right, CDs, right, uh, high-grade bonds, right, to be distinguished from uh, from junk bonds. So we're talking about bonds like, you know, issued by the United States government because, I mean, if the U.S. government goes down, then, you know, we're all uh, dealing with a lot bigger issues, right? <laughs> and what kind of, what kind of deal we're getting. So, yeah. So bonds from, you know, very, uh, very strong countries, right? Like the United States. Um, another segment, right? Permanent life insurance uh, is also grouped right into that category. So, all those kinds of things, right, have guarantees associated with it. They're not going to be as high yielding, right? But at any point in time, no matter what's going on with the market, right, no matter what's going on in your life, you know that if you turn to that, uh, you're going to have access, right, to that. So general rule of thumb, right, is if you're working and you've got a pretty steady income, right, you're going to want to have about three to six months, right, worth of uh worth of expenses, right, built up in that category. Um, As you approach retirement, or you get to the point where, hey, you're not working anymore because you've got enough passive income, you know, from your other investments, uh, you want to bump that up a little bit more, right, and maybe have anywhere between like two to four years, right, worth of income. I'll I'll get back into that in a second for why, right, we do that. So pretty straightforward, right, safe bucket guarantees, right, things that, uh, you know are always going to be there, but uh, are a little bit less yielding. So second category, right, is the more traditional 
right? Aggressive bucket. And this is basically just a diversified stock portfolio, right? So pretty common, uh, a pretty common metric, right? Of what you would use would be say like the S and P 500, right? So standard and poor 500. So think of it as just like, you know, fortune 500 companies uh, in the United States, uh, pretty well diversified right across all the different spectrums, you know, between healthcare and, you know, gas and oil and the car industry, you know, technology, right? All those kinds of things. So right. the S&P 500 actually represents about 80% uh, of just like the total market, right? In the United States by, uh, by amount of money. So investing in something like that, um, you know, obviously you're investing in somebody else's business. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to reap quite the same rewards, right? That you would if you were doing your own, right. but it's also very, very simple right to use um if you look at the long-term trend you know over the past you know century or so anywhere between about a six to nine percent right compounded rate of return uh, is a pretty safe assumption uh there's a couple time periods in history where if you bought at kind of like the right times you might be able to squeak out like 10 or 11 percent but from a financial planning perspective you know a six to nine percent compounded rate of return is, uh, is pretty safe to assume right there. However, you know, it may average six to 9% right over that time, but it's also still going to be very volatile. Right. right. So <clears throat> true. You know, normally if I'm sitting with a client, I've got uh, access to my screen and I can actually draw this out because, you know, Marines love pictures, right. <laughs> <laughs> and colors right? much better than words, but right. if you can visualize this, <laughs> this graph for a second, right. Um, if you had, let's say, a million dollars, right, in 2007, right, so a million dollars, and I think that the peak of the market was like September or October of 2007. Um, if you kept your money in there by March 2009, uh, that money would have dropped to about 400,000, right, maybe 420. Um, so pretty big drop, right, 60% loss over that time. However, if you didn't panic, Right. If you just held on right to your investments by 2012, uh, you would have been back right to your million dollars. And then today, even having put no new money in, right, that account would be worth anywhere between about, uh, you know, two and a quarter, maybe two and a half million. Right. In today's dollars. Damn, man. Damn. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. That's but, you know, crazy. Oh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously, you know, 2007 to 2012, you wouldn't have been too happy. But if you, you know, were to draw a straight line from 2007 to 2019, uh, that was about a seven, seven and a half percent right compounded rate of return. So right there, right in that six to nine percent. So right. yeah, stocks for the long term, uh, as long as you don't panic in the short term, you know, do pretty well. Um, however, moving on to the third bucket right? That is your home run bucket. So these are things like real estate investing, right? Opening your own business, right? Doing, you know, you know, deals with like a small company where you're, uh, you know, like a a buy-in, like shareholder or something like that, where you have a lot of ownership, right? Of what you're doing. So this has, you know, the greatest potential of reward, right? As well as also, you know, the possibility of loss. Um, And, it's really hard to say, you know, what rate of return right, you can possibly get on it because this is going to be the most uh, determined by your skill level, 
right, in your knowledge. And this is why it's so important, right, if you're going to move into the space, right, that you have a good team, right, you have, you know, somebody you can rely on, right, to help coach you through it. Because real estate in itself is neither good nor bad, okay? <laughs> it's, it's just a tool, right? It's how you use it. It's your knowledge and your understanding. Uh, and the fact that, like, even in the same city, right, one neighborhood could be different than another, That's right, true. in terms of, you know, one is one is overvalued and one is undervalued, right, in regards to, uh, you know, in regards to their price, in regards to rents, right, all those kinds of things. So, yeah, that third bucket, right, the home run bucket, I mean, really sky's the limit and uh, how much money you can make there, um, you know, especially after reading like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, you definitely start seeing, you know, some of those deals pop up. And, you know, there's never, there's never just like a once in a lifetime deal um, because it really comes down again to your education, right? Your knowledge, and then just how much diligence you can put in, in terms of like going out and finding, right? Those good deals. And then, uh, yeah, having those things work for you. So that's where it becomes a lot more important, right? Especially that you have, you know, that good coach, that good mentor, because, yeah, you, know, you can knock it out of the park or you can uh, strike out <laughs> pretty quickly as well. So That's true. Very, very true. Very, very true. Having that good mentor is, is critical, man. And, uh, and, you know, something else you mentioned about, you know, just not jumping ship, right? Um, you know, it mm-hmm. definitely yep. will we'll, we'll <laughs> run into some, some hard failures in the investing world. That's for sure. No matter what bucket you start investing in, you know, there, there will be something, I mean, rather than the safe side, right? Unless, of course, our country is having bigger issues, in which case, you know, right, there's, there's some bigger issues at stake. <laughs> but, um, yep. but, you know, aggressive or home run, you got to take your pick or, or, you know, do a little bit of both. Understand that there will be storms. And if you weather through them long enough, you know, you can be very successful. Um, so phenomenal point, man. And, and really, really glad to have that insight there uh, because it's definitely not something a lot of people think about, especially when they're in the phase of just starting out, right? They think they're going to mm-hmm. right, focus on this, 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 and this first without really having that full picture in mind, right? Like what are we really trying to establish? So um, definitely glad that you're able to shed some light on that. And, and again, thank you so much for your time, Alex. Uh, you know, we're running out of time here ourselves. Uh, so we've got to kind of take it into the bonus round real quick, but I've got uh, a few last questions just so our folks can get to know you a little bit more on the personal side. Um, so first question is what's your favorite book? Ooh, yeah. Favorite book would have to be, uh, have to be Atlas Shrugged, uh, probably closely followed by the, the Fountainhead. So both, uh, both Ayn Rand, uh, novels. So definitely two of my favorites. Oh man. Okay. We had someone else mentioned Atlas Shrugged. Um, on the podcast before, and I and I honestly had never heard that book, but when he described it, I think I saw it sitting on a bookshelf somewhere of my grandfather. So I may have to pick that one up. It sounded pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a long read, but yeah, phenomenal book for sure. So, all right. all right, all right. So the next question: Who is your biggest hero, and why? Ooh, well, it's quite a few, but. Um, I guess I'm kind of biased towards one because I just uh, read her biography. So um, if you all have never heard of Marie Curie, um, so she was a, a Polish born right woman who was like one of the first people, uh, one of the first women, right. to really kind of break through 
the glass ceiling in terms of you know becoming like a scientist and she actually discovered uh two of the elements right radium and polonium um oh, wow. you know on the periodic table and she is pretty much effectively the cause uh like the reason why like the x-ray exists because uh, like during world war one you know she was rolling around like using this new technology and everything um and so honestly she probably saved right uh you know millions of people you know just based on her research and her discovery right of that and it's a really uh she's got a really good biography It'd be worth checking out um because when you read that you just kind of feel <laughs> you feel like a wimp for like ever complaining right about anything because <laughs> she had to she had to like fight through so many different things you know she had like no funding uh you know it was just her and her husband you know literally in like a shaft right like just looking for these elements and uh you know discovering them and stuff so yeah just really impressed with just like her work ethic and drive you know over the years so all right all right all right that's that is definitely awesome and all right so we'll definitely uh, have links to the show notes uh on you know her and then on uh, that book as well and then um third question what do you do for fun uh, when I'm not working, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I love, uh, love skiing. So, you know, every single year, uh, always do a, a big ski trip. You, you remember Mike Topsy, right? My roommate yeah. from, uh, from school. I remember Mike. So, yeah, that's, that's like our pilgrimage, right? Every single year. Um, so we always make time to spend, uh, spend a week out either, you know, Colorado or, you know, Canada or, or somewhere else like that. And then, uh, you know, obviously the typical Marine things. I love shooting. So going out and doing some, uh, some ski and trap shooting. Um, nice. And other than that, yeah, just, uh, just hanging out, spending some time with the wife and, you know, working out, playing with the dog. So that's about it. Okay. <laughs> Pretty simple awesome. for me. Awesome, man. Love it. Love it. All right. And then the final question, uh, what three nuggets of wisdom, uh, would you leave for those who are just getting started in investing? Hmm. So let's say, I would say number one is just like never stop learning, right? Because there's always more to learn, right? Never think that you know everything. Uh, and just like the more knowledge you can accumulate, uh, the better, right? So being a, yeah, it's not a matter of just like, okay, I didn't know anything about real estate investing or stock investing or any of those things. And now I know it, right? It's just, you're constantly trying to expand, right? Your, your knowledge base right every uh, every possible day so just be a lifelong learner uh number two yeah except that there's going to be some some failures right some downturns right and uh that's regardless of you know wherever you're starting from right whether you're buying a a fifty thousand dollar house or a five hundred thousand dollar house you know or quadplex or duplex or something um there's going to be some failures going to be some bumps and you just have to have this you know um just like undying urge, right? Just to keep pushing forward, you know, regardless of what else, you know, happens. And uh, third thing, um, yeah, I guess just like try to be a good person. <laughs> like overall, like we're all here to make money, yeah. of course, and, and to do better for our own lives. But, you know, at no point should you ever have to do that uh, at the sacrifice of somebody else's. So, um, yeah, just like have that drive, but never, never lose, um, you know, never lose the vision that, you know, we can all do well and still, you know, help each other out. So 
Don't, don't want to sound too preachy, but but yeah. <laughs> uh, amen. That's that's solid, man. That is some solid advice. I love that. Love those three bullet, uh, bullet points. And guys, uh, Alex is a phenomenal guy. Make sure that you get in contact with him. How can our folks get in touch with you, man? Um, yeah, so I'm uh, you know always glued to my phone, which I guess is a, is a blessing and a curse. So um, you know people can call me, or probably the better thing would be just to text me because I'm usually in a meeting. You know, whenever people call me, so it's like I, I live my life by like an Outlook calendar. So like every, you know, every 15 minutes of my day is planned out. So, <laughs> yeah, just uh, if you're interested in, in sitting down and, and going over a plan, you know, with me, uh, there's no cost. There's no obligation. You know, we'll just go through, uh, you know, a good discussion and see if there's anything that makes sense, you know, for you or your family. But, yeah, just shoot me a text at uh, 804-437-4472. Uh, and uh, I'll give you a call back probably within an hour or two and try to set up some time with him. So outstanding. All right, guys, you got the direct line there and uh, make sure that you guys do reach out to Alex. He's got a lot of wisdom and a lot of advice. Thanks again so much for your time, man. Really appreciate having you on the show. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. All right. All right. Outstanding. That was an awesome episode. Thanks so much to our special guests and thanks to you for listening. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, make sure you go and do that or schedule a call with us by texting ADPI to 444-999 or checking out our website at www.activedutypassiveincome.com to find out how you can get started on your financial freedom journey today. I'll see you guys next week.